My name is Baby. I'm going to read uh, for, for tonight. Read Mark 4 from 21 to 34. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to put under the, a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seas on, on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. And when he said, and then he said, with what can, can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use of it? It is like a grain of mustard, of, of mustard seed, which when, when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts a large, put out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its, its shade. With many such parables spoke the most of them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. That's the word of God. Good evening, church. Um, it is great to uh, be together. It's always a privilege to share God's word. Uh, just to say, as we start off, we are running a bit um, um, late in our service, but I do hope that you uh, will bear with us as we continue um, looking at God's word and as we have communion um, later. Just before we get into uh, week six of our a series titled Under Construction, Mark's Gospel, God is Reconstructing uh, the Christian Faith. Before we get into that, uh, just a few things to, uh, to thank God for, and I think the theme tonight is, is that of the growth of the kingdom, uh, and I think it's relevant to uh, the parable of the sower, because it, it grows, uh, and sometimes the kingdom looks insignificant, uh, but uh, it grows to become something massive. Uh, so just for us who, at the student side of things, uh, things for the last couple of years has been, have been tough uh, in terms of access to, to campus. Uh, so if you are new to our church, we do have a, a student ministry. Uh, some of uh, the people here are, are from our students, and we're praying for more students um, to come. Uh, but we've had challenges of venue uh, in the last couple of years. There seems to be a move away from wanting Christians on campus, and we've been praying for that, uh, and God is finally answering our prayers. Um, so the Res Publica, which is the res that side, has um, welcomed us and opened their doors uh, to us. Uh, in fact, last 
last night um, I was preaching there. I was doing a short talk with the gents on uh, biblical masculinity. I was speaking as a Christian. It wasn't so much a Christian event. It was a, an event uh, that is focused in on some of the issues that are happening on res uh, in line with gender-based violence. And we invited Kathy from our Crayon Crisis Center um, to also come share with the ladies. Uh, it was an incredible time um, together at that site. Um, and the fact that they call us uh, to come help uh, I was thrilled that the kingdom is taking root and people are seeing the benefit of having uh, Christians on, on campus. Um, there were, I think there was about 400 students, so you can imagine there's lots of girls uh, and a few gents. Um, I had an opportunity to speak to, to the gents. Kathy had an opportunity to address the ladies and the gents um, just to educate them on uh, gender-based violence issues. Uh, so that's something to praise God for, because sometimes it can be very, uh, very discouraging. Uh, so we thank God. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, if you can keep your Bibles open to uh, Mark chapter 4, that will be um, helpful for us uh, this evening. Uh, let's bow our heads as our leaders in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you for the, the growth of your kingdom. Uh, that it, it happens in small and insignificant ways, uh, but it has a great impact. And so we thank you for the growth of your kingdom uh, right around us, the growth of your kingdom through ladies meeting together, gents meeting together around God's word, uh, churches being started, ministers being raised. Uh, I do pray, Father, this evening that you'd speak to us from your word and that you teach us again uh, what to expect of your kingdom. Uh, this we pray in your name and for our good. Amen. Amen. So if you haven't been with us for um, this year, we started off um, our series uh, at the beginning of the year in Mark's Gospel, and this is another week uh, as we look at another section of chapter 4. And what Mark's Gospel is really about is, is it's about discipleship. Uh, it is about being uh, transformed by God and being shaped by God, especially in a time of pressure. Uh, the believers uh, that Mark was writing to were facing a lot of pressure. And Mark is reassuring them through the death of Jesus uh, that what God is doing is majestic, uh, that although it looks small and insignificant and pathetic, uh, the kingdom of God uh, is something of great majesty. It is something that is bigger than um, what they were witnessing and what they were going through. Uh, so page after page, uh, we are uh, it is revealed to us um, who Jesus is and the kind of king uh, that he is. Uh, so chapters 1 to 3, uh, Jesus goes preaching, and there's different responses that people have to Jesus. Uh, chapter 4 that we looked at last week used a key word that is also connected to our chapter today, which is the word seed, uh, to speak about how the kingdom grows about, how God builds and grows uh, his kingdom. Uh, so we are going to be focusing in on that word seed as we think about um, our expectations of what the kingdom is about. When you think about the Christian faith, um, how, what sort of expectations uh, do you have of it? Well, our passage this evening addresses um, our expectation and it realigns our thoughts and our minds uh, on concerning what biblical discipleship looks like. What does it look like to be part of God's kingdom? How does God's kingdom come about um, in our lives? 
Now, no doubt that life is all about expectation. It's filled with so many expectations. Um, where I'm going to be when I'm 25, the kind of Mac I'm going to drive when I'm 35, uh, the kind of wife I'm going to have at 35, expectations, expectations. Uh, we all have expectations. Expectations about where we will live or work. Uh, we also have expectation in human relationships. Uh, so I preached a couple of weeks ago at Hillbro on uh, on the day before Valentine's. So I was speaking on love and rela- human relationships, particularly between a man and a woman, uh, that any relationship uh, has expectation. In fact, everyone goes into a relationship uh, with a set of expectations about how it's going to be. Um, and when the expectations are not communicated, um, there tends to be friction and disappointment uh, in the relationship. We all have expectations. Listen to the words of uh, Mark Manson. Uh, he wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Uh, it is a, quite an interesting book, uh, an orange book. And this is what he says about our world and some of the things that we expect of life. He says that everyone enjoys what feels good. Everyone wants to live a carefree, happy, and easy life. To fall in love and have amazing sex and relationships to look perfect and make money and be popular and well-respected and admired, and a total baller to the point that people part like the Red Sea when you walk in the room. Everybody wants that. Everybody has expectation on on life. Now, the, the disclaimer is that I'm not talking about human relationships and expectations in human relationships this evening. Uh, that's another topic for another day as we discuss hashtag Mjolo. Uh, that series is coming up later on in the year. Uh, but when it comes to our relationship with God, there's also expectations that you might not know that you have of God. Expectation of what he should do in your life, um, uh, what the dangers he should be protecting you from, um, him keeping up his end of the bargain. Some of us have expectations that if you are a Christian, you serve God, you come to church, and he has to keep uh, his end of the bargain by blessing you and making your life uh, go well. Some of our expectations of God are reasonable, uh, some are unbiblical, uh, but nonetheless, we all have expectations. The Jews in Jesus' day had expectation about who Jesus was, Um, Their expectation was concerning the message of Jesus about building the kingdom. You see, when Jesus came and said to the people that he's building a kingdom, they had great expectations of what that looked like. Uh, For the Jew, building God's kingdom was getting rid of foreign rule and dominion in Jerusalem. It was getting rid of sin and evil once for all. It was that David's son, the king, would once again rule in Jerusalem in a physical kingdom. It was political. He was going to come with his his army and take over. That was the um, expectation, an end to the exile. In fact, in the first century before Jesus came, there were many revolts uh, and many um, attempted coups uh, of trying to reestablish the kingdom um, to Israel. So when Jesus comes in chapter 1 and says, I'm setting up God's kingdom, obviously there's expectations, and obviously there are people coming in to just listen to him and to hear what he has to say about this kingdom that he's going to bring about. 
Uh, David Secom says this about the kingdom of God. David Secom is my previous Bible college uh, lecturer, uh, my principal, and he's written a lot about Jesus and the Gospels and the kingdom. He says that the kingdom of God is, uh, according to um, Jewish expectation, the kingdom of God is the world rescued, renewed, and ruled by God through his chosen king, the son of David, um, the Messiah, Jesus. Now, I, I was preaching in the morning, so all my good illustration went there. So I was thinking about what, what the weight of this expectation would look like. I was thinking of an Arsenal fan. This is a weak illustration, but an Arsenal fan, um, think, think if you are an Arsenal fan, you've never won anything um, in the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, what if the weight of life, what if Arsenal winning the trophy this year, I don't watch soccer, I don't even know, is it the FA Cup um, or the UEFA? What if, what if all the hopes of winning the UEFA, what if your life depended on that? And then there was suddenly uh, some news of a coach who was going to come and transform the squad and come to win. Uh, just think about the expectations uh, that you'd have uh, and the joy that you'd have. And that's the, kind of the same idea that people had when Jesus came and said that he's setting up the kingdom of God, but Jesus and the kind of kingdom that he's about to set up breaks our expectations. Um, and Jesus and Mark uses the word seed to explain to us how the kingdom comes about. He uses the word seed to explain the nature of our relationship with God and the nature of what God is doing in our world and the nature of the Christian faith. It is an agrarian kind of term. It is an agrarian um, concept, the concept of seed. Uh, you and I don't know much about seeds. Um, we live in a world where um, you don't know where your food comes from. Does it? it comes from food lovers. Um, that's where you buy it. You've never seen it growing. Uh, but the, this concept of a seed is a concept of time. It is a, an organic growth that uh, happens over time. Um, it is um, a, a concept of patience and endurance. It is a concept of things um, taking time. And I think as, you, as we engage with Mark's gospel, we will realize that for our own lives and for our own expectations of the Christian faith, um, it often doesn't correlate with the world that we live in. Uh, we live in a world of not patience, but if I want food, I'm not going to plant it, I'm going to buy it. If I want food, I can go to McDonald's, and in less than, hopefully if they're not busy, 15 minutes, I'll get my food. Uh, so we are fast-paced people. We live in a world of go-getters, people who make stuff happen. Uh, people who, if they can't make stuff happen, they pay somebody to make stuff happen. So that's the world that we live in, a world of no patience, uh, a world that is not agrarian. If your meal takes over 30 minutes at any restaurant, the manager has to come and account for why uh, the restaurant is incompetent. The word patience is a swear word. The word begezela, begezela means uh, to endure. Uh, that's, that is a curse word in our society. We expect a good life and we expect it now with a source on the side. That is our expectation of the Christian faith. Uh, let me read to you that thing that uh, Mark Mason says, and think about, as I'm reading this, think about some of the 
Christian content out there. Think about some of the preaching that's out there, uh, what they call us to expect. If we just add Jesus to this expectation of our world, I think it will fit well with modern Christianity and its expectations of Jesus. Everyone enjoys what feels good. You add Jesus, Jesus makes you feel good about yourself. Everyone wants to live a carefree, happy, and easy life. Jesus has come to do that. Um, To fall in love and have amazing sex and relationship, Jesus has come to transform your relationships. Uh, To look perfect and make money, uh, Jesus, if you sow a seed, in fact, uh, he will do this for you. Uh, Just sow a seed and he will make you realize these things. And on and on, um, modern Christianity goes. Um, It is so much similar to the world that we live in. It is a world of expectation. And expecting from Jesus to basically fulfill our needs, um, all the things that we truly want. And what we see in our passage, uh, this is the summary, is that despite our expectations, God's work in our lives is slow, God's work in our lives is sure, and God's work in our lives is overwhelming. Let me say that again, our summary this evening, that despite many of the expectations that we have of the Christian faith of Jesus, um, Jesus' work, God's work in our lives is slow. It is sure. And it is overwhelming. Come with me as we look at um, Mark chapter 4. Last week we saw uh, the parable of the four soils and the seed that was scattered. And from that we learned two things about uh, the seed, about the kingdom and how it grows. One, we learned the fragility of the seed, uh, that the gospel message can go out and achieve nothing depending on the kind of heart that it lands on. So the call from last week was to hear Jesus, to see him as more beautiful than all this world would promise. So the fragility of the seed and then the power of the seed. Uh, We saw that when when this seed lands on good soils, uh, it brings about great transformation. Uh, So that was... Uh, last week. How, how does it bring about transformation? It's when people hear and apply God's word to their lives uh, that the kingdom suddenly sprouts. Uh, so two, same seed, uh, two different reactions. I wonder if that's what you expect of the Christian faith. Um, have a look at verse 26. Uh, we're looking at God's work in our lives is slow. Verse 26 says, and he said, that is Jesus, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises and rises at night and night and day, and seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Verse twenty eight The the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. If you look live in an agrarian society, um, if you live next door, they still plant uh, maize. Uh, so it's guys from Malawi, and they plant maize there. They plow, and then they water it. But I don't think anybody ever watches corn growing. But slowly, but surely, it grows. It grows. It grows from a small seed, and it becomes a large a plant that can feed uh, people. That is how growth happens. That is how seed, the mechanisms of seed. And that is the mechanisms 
of God's kingdom. That it takes time and it takes slow time to grow the seed of the kingdom. I don't know if you've ever seen those time, time-lapse videos of a small plant growing. We'll never have the opportunity to, with the naked eye, to experience that. Very often in our Christian lives, we grow impatient because we expect God to grow us just like that. We expect God to transform some of our uh, deepest things that we struggle with just like that. Uh, we fail to realize and we fail to understand that the kingdom and its growth is not so much mechanic, but it is organic. It is like a seed that grows. This guy planted, he sleeps, doesn't know how it grows, but it does grow and it produces seed. Have a look at verse 30. And he said, and he said with what can I compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds, of the seeds on the earth. Um, Jesus again uses this imagery of something insignificant, something that looks small and powerless, um, but something that can bring about great impact. And such is the kingdom of God, that there are times where you think to yourself, man, is it, is it worth being a Christian? It just looks like it sucks. It just looks like um, it's not that impressive. And Jesus, uh, for the guys who are hearing him, as they're going through difficulties, they probably thought to themselves, this kingdom that we expected, this kingdom that you said you're going to offer, has come to nothing. We expected great things from you, yet you're going to come tell us about a mustard seed. It is small and insignificant not so impressive. Uh, the kingdom of God, the Christian growth, is like these ladies who meet together and Bible study week in, week out. You don't see the growth, but over years, they move closer and closer to Jesus. And over years, the growth and the impact of you in that Bible study is massive. It is majestic. That's our first point, that the kingdom, God's working our lives is quite slow. The second one is that God's work in our lives is sure. Sure. Have a look at verse 27. Again, this guy, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. This growth, although it's small and insignificant, it is a sure thing. If you planted it, if it landed on good soil, it will grow. Verse 30, and he said, with what can I combat the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall I use for it? Again, it's like a grain of mustard seed. When it is sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up. This is the sure growth of the kingdom. If you are a Christian this evening, this is a sure promise that when you hear God's word, when you hear the gospel, or as unimpressive as it sounds, it will grow. As hopeless as maybe your life as a Christian would look like now, if you hear God's word, if you apply it, you will surely grow. Have a look again at verse 32. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out branch, large branches so that the birds of the air 
can make its nest in its shade. The kingdom of God grows slow, but it grows sure. Those who are listening to Jesus were probably thinking to themselves, what is this guy talking about? Um, so just, we don't know a mustard seed. Perhaps many of us haven't seen it, but it doesn't grow like this. It doesn't grow to become a big tree. It grows to become maybe like corn. It doesn't grow any bigger than that. But Jesus uses this imagery of this small and insignificant seed. It's actually saying, uh, think about corn. A man grows corn, and then it grows up, and then suddenly it becomes a big tree that um, grows big leaves, and um, birds can climb on it. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus is using exaggeration to speak about the impact of the kingdom here. And this imagery that he's using is from Daniel chapter, chapter 4. Let me read it for us. Now, this is a great vision that King Nebuchadnezzar sees of his own kingdom, the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom that was oppressing uh, God's kingdom. Uh, the visions on, of my head as I lay in bed were this. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its tops reached the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived under its branches, and all flesh was fed, was fed from it. Uh, this picture that Nebuchadnezzar sees in his dream is a picture of his own kingdom. Uh, he was a, a very influential man, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar was brought down as God cut down this tree, as he cut down this kingdom. Why did God do that? Well, God did that to remind him, um, as he says on, um, as Daniel interprets the dream, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. Um, so this picture that Jesus uses is a fulfillment of what um, uh, this vision was about. It is a fulfillment and a picture of God establishing his kingdom, this insignificant small thing that grows to become this massive thing. And if we look at church history, uh, we'll know and we'll see this growth of God's kingdom. It began very insignificant. It began with uh, the readers of Mark who were being persecuted. Imagine going to church and being flogged on your way to church. Uh, imagine being afraid for your life uh, to be a Christian and to say, um, to proclaim that I'm a Christian. Why is that? Because they were living in a world and a kingdom uh, that was um, oppressive to God's people. So Mark uses this. Jesus uses this to his hearers to assure them that God is building his kingdom, that God's work in their lives is slow, but it is sure. Uh, so that's, those are the two points. God's work in our lives is slow, but it is sure. Yet at the same time, it is overwhelming. And we see that in the language of the harvest. Harvest language, language of abundance. Have a look at verse 8 as um, the, the parable of the different soils. Another seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and, and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Abundance, abundance. 
the kingdom of God, seed, grows to become this big and abundant thing. We had a guy in Bible college whose daughter, he was from Kenya, and his daughter's name was Abundance. Um, I think that's a good name, isn't it? And that's a picture of what God does through his kingdom. It looks small and insignificant, but it is, um, it is, it, it is sure and it's overwhelming. Have a look at uh, verse uh, 26 again, or rather 28. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, at once he put a, uh, puts in the circle because the harvest has come. This seed that grows slowly, uh, this man reaps the benefits of that. And every now and again, this language of harvest is the language of what God expects of his people. Um, It's the language of Israel being planted as a garden, being expected to produce good fruit, uh, but yet when God goes there, he finds nothing. But right here we are promised that this is going to be different, that God will plant his kingdom through his son Jesus, who's pathetic, who dies on a cross, but that this very same kingdom will bring about abundance of fruit. And this is how it bears fruit. Have a look at verse 33. This is what it's all about. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. These parables of the different seeds, the different expectations, is about two different kind of people, the religious people and the disciples. Religious people went to God for what he can give them. The disciples truly wanted Jesus for who he was. The disciples heard him as he spoke to the crowds, but every now and again they would ask him and want to hear more of what he had to say concerning the kingdom. This is the life of discipleship, a life of sitting at the feet of Jesus, a Jesus who looks unimpressive, a Jesus who dies on a cross, a Jesus who calls us as disciples to die on a cross later on in chapter 10, a Jesus who brings about transformation in ways that we do not expect. Now, as we end of our time together, I want to leave us with uh, two, two things. One is a warning is a warning, one is an encouragement on adjusting our expectations. One, a warning. Um, I think if the kingdom of God is like a seed, I don't want to put words in Jesus' mouth here because (laughs) this is not what Jesus said. But I think there are other seeds that we can let grow in our lives. And we need to be careful of those. I think the adverse of what Jesus is saying is also true that there are other seeds that we can plant in us in the things that we listen to, the things that disciple us day in and day out. And those things, they also slow because you don't realize they're shaping you. They also show because they will change you over time. If you skip Bible study, if you uh, put God to to the side, most of us watch a lot of TikTok videos um, my wife the other day said, Joe, there's a lot of stuff on TikTok that says God is not real. And the more you listen to the stuff, the more you start thinking, and like, is this even true? Um, because it begins to grow slowly in you. So we need to be careful about the things that we let shape us. 
the kind of seed that we plant in us. Because they are slow, they are sure, but they have catastrophic results. They have catastrophic results. In my own life, I listen to this podcast that comes every Monday. It is two guys called uh, it's, uh, Chillers. <laughs> um, and one of the things, some of you might know them, is G and Saul Penduga. Those guys are funny. I listen to them. But one of the things I realize is that I'm at the stage where the cuss words get into my head. And the cuss words are close to my tongue. I'm at a stage where I came to realize that what those guys say about women, about smashing, every, every single episode has to do about with smashing or something like that. They say it, it's funny, but it plants a seed, doesn't it? A seed that is catastrophic in the end, a seed that yields things like degrading women and all of that. And I've had to, I'm not saying if you watch them and listen to them, stop doing it. I'm just saying for me, I think it's very unhelpful to listen to that. I need to guard what are some of the things that shape me. What is growing you right now? So I wonder if you go home, um, what, 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 is, what are some of the things that are discipling you without you realizing it? Things that are not of the kingdom. The second one is uh, an encouragement. If the kingdom is slow and sure and overwhelming, give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. I think many of us beat ourselves hard because we don't see any growth in our lives. We don't see any change. Our lives look pathetic. Following Jesus seems discouraging because we have expectations that he will change us, transform us. It just doesn't look like it's happening. But that growth happens gradually. Be, be kind to yourself. Um, be, give yourself a break. Picture a guy who wants to get buff. And every year he gains, let's say, three kgs of muscle mass. After five years, how many kgs is that? Those who did math. <laughs> Fifteen. 15 kilos. Now, if you met him in year one, you think, this guy is wasting his time at gym. He needs to do something better with this time. If you met him the following year, like, are you, are you really sure you like doing the right form? If you met him the third year, you're like, ah, oh, like we, we see you, we see some growth. Yeah, four, five, it slowly grows. And that's the Christian life, isn't it? And that is our fight against sin and the devil. That it doesn't look like it's impressive in the here now, but gradually, if you look at your life, um, you are not going to always be who you are today. God transforms us, but this transformation comes slowly, but it comes surely, and it is overwhelming. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this, your word. Thank you for the message of your kingdom. I pray for someone who's perhaps discouraged in their walk with you, uh, that you would reawaken them to the realization of who you are and the work that you're doing in their lives. Father, please aid us, please help us uh, as we go into this week uh, to be reassured of your work in our lives. Uh, Father, also please help us to watch some of the things that are informing and discipling us slowly. Please help us to exercise wisdom in putting those things to death and hearing you 
more. I pray that we'll be people who long to hear you, and whether it's in church on Sunday, whether it's through Bible studies, that we'll come expecting to be transformed slowly by your word. Through your name we pray. Amen.